Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of the Stick Blade Podcast. It's the Red Rivals, Chicago Blackhawks, Detroit Red Wings podcast. We talk about all things Red Wings, all things Hawks, and just general things going around the league. On tonight's schedule, we're going to be talking about Moritz Sider signing his entry-level contract with the Detroit Red Wings. Tyler Wright essentially stepping out of the director of amateur scouting position for Detroit. The Artemanism offer Zach Smith's trade, Carolina signing to Zingle, and then Joe Hicketts signing a two-year deal with the Red Wings. Uh, we started last week with really Hawks news because there wasn't much to talk about on the Red Wings front, so we'll go ahead and start with the Red Wings content this week. Um, first thing is Mort Sider ended up signing his entry-level contact or contract with the Red Wings organization. He played over in uh, Germany last year with men, so he's eligible to play for Grand Rapids in the AHL if he impresses out of camp, which is good. I've seen people saying, you know, Germany is not as high end of a league as a lot of the Canadian or American leagues, which, I mean, I think you could say is fair. But, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, Leon Dreisaitl came out of uh, Germany. And, I mean, ask the Oilers how they like him. I think they'd say they like him all right. David or Nick, would you guys have any opinions on this move at all? I mean, I think it's great. It was going to happen. I think... With what I've seen from him from the developmental camp videos, we talked about this previously, but he just seems to have a really strong hockey IQ and knows like where to move the puck, where to be. He knows how to take the hits to keep the play going for his team. Um, I could see him definitely impressing out of camp. I could even see him. I don't think he'll make opening night roster for the Red Wings because I think we have some younger D prospects and Chalowski and Horonik and other guys that'll be kind of playing. But I think middle of the season, we could start seeing him um, in either a Zadina role where they plan for a couple games just to get a feel, or I could even see him, you know, kind of jumping ahead and taking over in a spot. Uh, but I think it's a really good move. I really like what I see with him, and I can see why uh, Iserman and the team drafted him uh, as early as we did. I agree. I think the Sider sign, or, I mean, it was it, it was coming eventually, and so now it's official. But Sider just needs to he, he needs to play in North American ice. He's been playing over, uh, international. So now he's going to get a chance. He'll probably start in Grand Rapids, but he'll get a chance to develop his game in North America, play against potential future NHL talent. And you, I agree that with David, he, he could be on this roster at some point this season, if not maybe halfway through the season. Yep. Um, the one thing I think that the German teams have better than us was someone posted on Reddit a video of one of the games and like it's like a soccer game where they're just constantly cheering and constantly going and i wish we could have that in american sports <laughs> i remember watching that video and like you said i wish we had that for hockey over here that'd be something awesome to see yeah because like a couple summers ago i went to see the soccer team that i follow everton play at their stadium for their opening season and it was just 100 percent energy the entire game and like with american sports it just seems like the fans kind of get bored or they just don't really get into it as awesome. much. It'll it'll be definitely a transition for him, just in terms of atmosphere and mm-hmm. uh, ice style. One thing that I think is also important about this uh, entry level contract to to note is that Moritz Sider, essentially, towards the deadline, is going to have the chance to to make some plays, potentially for some roster time. I mean, you have to look at uh, Jonathan Erickson's going to be gone at the end of the season. Daly's going to be gone. Cronwall, we don't know if he's coming back. I mean, there's going to be a wide-open roster for this team towards the deadline at the beginning of next season with so many of our defensemen leaving. I think him getting the opportunity to play in Grand Rapids this season is going to be huge for him 
the following season in terms of just getting the chance to make Detroit? I mean, I think, yeah, with with Cronwell, Cronwell could even be gone before the season starts like Zetterberg was. He might just be like, uh, yeah, I can't keep going anymore. It's over. And I think Daly's going to definitely be gone. Mike Green's going to be gone. Erickson, I don't, I, I hope he's gone. I don't hate Erickson, but I just don't feel like he fits the team anymore. I, I like to say, or I like to explain Jonathan Erickson like this. Jonathan Erickson is a perfectly serviceable third line player who can play a physical, just simple style hockey. The problem is he's being completely overpaid for the position that he plays. He is. And like with how big he is, he's very soft. Yeah, that's another, I think, pretty fair criticism. Um, but really, I don't think there's much else to talk about on in terms of this entry-level contract for Moritz Sider. I mean, we see it pretty frequently with players where they get signed to this and then they get a chance to play with another team in the U.S., like a developmental team, like, for example, the AHL or ECHL affiliate or whoever they decide to play with in the United States or Canada. But we'll go ahead and uh, we'll move on from that. Speaking of uh, drafting, Tyler Wright is now officially out as the director of amateur scouting for the Detroit Red Wings organization, and Chris Draper will be taking over now. For people who don't understand how important the director of amateur scouting position is, this is the guy who found us Dylan Larkin, Anthony Mantha, he found us Philip Horonic, Dennis Chalowski, and... um, this kid, who some of us may know, his name is Tyler Bertuzzi, who was expected to go pretty late into the draft, who people thought was going to be an extreme reach. I mean, I'm glad for him to get the chance to go work over in Edmonton with Ken Holland. He's mm-hmm. done a lot for this organization in terms of setting us up with future talent. That's for sure. Yep. I mean, he's basically responsible for this core that Detroit's going to have moving forward. He did a lot. He's been with us for quite a while and i think with eiserman coming in eiserman wanted to kind of shake things up a bit and by promoting chris draper someone he knows really well someone he played with um for many years i think this is a big step for us as an organization and an even bigger step for chris draper this is something entirely new for him um and i think but i think he's been in the organization training for this for a while and i think he could do very well in this position as i say chris draper i mean He's kind of the epitome of, of the work-your-way-up type of model that the Red Wings tend to tend to have in the organization of, you know, you have to earn what you get. And, I mean, he worked his way throughout the line or throughout his career to get onto the organization and essentially become a mainstay. And I think he's done the same thing in just the organization in terms of a executive-type role. I mean, yeah, we GMs, got him for a dollar. <laughs> we got him for a dollar. I mean, best dollar we ever spent. It is like, but seriously though, I mean, GMs, you'd like to think that every GM knows exactly what's going on 24, seven hours a day, six, six, 35 or 365 days a year. But I mean, realistically, like these GMs have to lean on their scouting staff to understand and make these decisions. Mm -hmm. I mean, Chris Draper probably was in the room and made some of these sort of I, I want to say maybe sales pitches for the players that we've drafted. And I mean, I think it's yeah. perfectly fine to assume that if he takes over as the head of amateur scouting, that he's going to do a fine job. I mean, if he's been learning from Tyler, right, I think he's going to be okay in that regards. I mean, I agree. Our, our team likes to promote from within. And I mean, look at Eiserman. He trained under Holland for many years and then he went off on his own to 
uh, Tampa and look what he did for Tampa. I think Draper learning under Tyler Wright, learning under Ken Holland. I think he's just going to be just fine. And then the last piece of Wings news that we have is uh, Joe Hickinson signing a two-year deal with the organization. Um, Mighty Joe, as we tend to call him. Basically, I think this is kind of like a depth signing where he could be a seventh defenseman or even a sixth defenseman if he earns a spot this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't expect him to, to torch the NHL by any means, but... I think he's perfectly serviceable as a player. And I mean, people have knocked him for his size before, but he's had a handful of games with Detroit, which I think he's looked perfectly fine in. Yeah. He's a, he's an underdog favorite. A lot of people love Joe just cause he kind of, he'll stick out, not in a bad way, but he just goes a hundred percent. And I think he'll do fine. He's, he's not going to be a top pair defenseman, but he's going to be a guy that can fill a role. I mean, look at St. Louis. They had, they didn't have flashy defensemen, but they had guys that could fill their roles and do their jobs. And that's what he does. As I said, that's exactly. I mean, he, he knows that he's being brought on to fill some sort of position for the organization. He knows that he's not playing top here. He knows he's not really going to be, you know, trying to make a $6 million deal by any stretch, but he's perfectly content to play in the NHL or even the AHL and, you know, get paid decent money to do it. I, I think this move is perfectly fine doesn't tie mm-hmm. up ridiculous cap space. It gives you somebody to call up in the event you have an injury or something like that. And that, if nothing else, it's a veteran who is pretty cheap if you have an injury. Somebody who's been up and down from the AHL and the uh, NHL before. So he's got that going for him as well. Other than that, I don't believe there's anything else to talk about on the Red Wings front. So we'll go ahead and transition over to the Hawks front. Uh, Artem Anisimov ends up getting traded for Zach Smith from the Ottawa Senators. Um, from what I understand, and you can go ahead and correct me here if I'm wrong, Nick, but basically this becomes a trade where Chicago gets a little bit more cap space and then Ottawa set, ends up saving real-world dollars because of the way that Anisimov's contract is scheduled. I think that's pretty fair to say. Yeah, Anisimov, he, it was his signing bonus. The Hawks paid it as of July 15th, which was obviously a couple days ago. So, yeah, now the now his, like, actual money spent is $2.5 million, like how much he'll actually cost salary-wise. But the cap hit is obviously still $4.5 million. But uh, finally, this finally happened. I've been waiting for a Nismal to be traded probably for a year or so now. And Zach Smith is, uh, I mean, he, we weren't going to get a fascinating return out of Nismal. Zach Smith still has like a oh, just over a three million dollar contract, but he plays a different game. He plays one of those games that he's going to get in the nasty areas. He's going to bother you, and the Hawks are getting meaner. They have Ryan Carpenter now, Andrew Shaw, and now Zach Smith. So they've added three guys who are going to be tough to play against. Just going to be in your ear all game. So I, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad it finally happened, and he's almost finally gone. One thing that I think is really interesting about this trade for both teams is that. It's kind of interesting. We see this in the NHL on just with like the budget teams where your salary cap space matters sometimes more than your dollar amount and then vice versa. I mean, budget teams, Arizona is a great example of this. I mean, the Red Wings traded Datsuk's contract to them just so they could help hit the cap floor without having to spend real world dollars. And it got us Chalowski. They got a Chalowski. Yeah, this is exactly <laughs> what it was, though. I mean, Ottawa needed to reach the cap floor. And the Hawks needed to clear some caps, so it kind of worked out for both teams. Uh, I mean, the Haw- Zach Smith, I probably won't be in the lineup every night just with 
based off of the forwards that we have currently. So this gives the Hawks options though with that salary cap for potential bonuses being hit or maybe if they want to sign Perlini, I don't know. It doesn't seem so sure that he's going to be back now, but Perlini, that offering Perlini a contract is now in in the work or in in reach because Perlini's, there's no way Perlini's going to be making $3 million. So we have the money to sign Perlini if they want to. Now it's a matter of what they're going to do with that money or just keep it for potential bonus hits. Nick, let's say you're in the Hawks management circle and they tell you, hey, we have this extra space now due to this trade. What, in your opinion, do you think the Hawks organization should do with this little bit of extra cap space? I, I know some people are against it, but I think per, signing Perlini is the best option right now just because we have the money now. And then there's money coming off the books next year with Crawford probably retiring and then also a couple other contracts coming off the book, like one year remaining on the deals. So, I mean, you need to see more out of Perlini, too. He started heating up near the end of the year. He finished with, I think it was 14 goals. But that was that, that all came in a short stretch. So, Perlini has that potential if you play him with the guys he should be playing with. And, it, I mean, you really haven't seen that much out of him yet. You should, should give him another year, give him another chance, because Perlini, Perlini showed sign to Province promises last year. So, I think signing him to maybe a one-year deal or two-year deal, whatever it is, I think Perlini deserves another chance, though, back in Chicago. But basically, you'd like to see this uh, cap space assigned to him just so that he gets another chance back with the organization? Yeah, I mean, we traded for him for a reason. We traded Nick Schmaltz for Dylan Strom and Perlini. Sure, Dylan Strom's worked out now, but if we could get the most out of Brendan Perlini as well in that trade, it would just be an absolute steal. So I think giving him another chance, is it, it makes sense. Other than that... Nick, was I don't recall reading anything. Was there anything else in Hawks news going around this week? Yeah, it's just uh, the prospect camp has started. So, oh yes, um, prospect camp. So I mean, we've gotten to we've gotten to look at future NHL or future Chicago Blackhawks, and there's a few guys standing out. Alex Nylander looks pretty good. There's a clip of him going around. He sniped. I think it was Alexis Gravel in that. And he shot, sniped him short side. He had a quick release. It was just a filthy shot. And then Kirby Doc, he he's lighting it up on the on Twitter with these clips. He's dangling through D-men. His backhand shot looks ridiculous. And he he's looking like he could make the roster. So, uh, wow. Yeah, he, he, I mean, there. Stan said he's going to give him every chance he can to make this roster. And Kirby Doc, the way he's performing. I mean, I know he's going against other prospects, but just the way he look, he looks like a mega men amongst boys on the ice with them say based on what i saw before the draft i mean kirby doc definitely seems like that sort of player who can who can be a dynamic player very early on in his career i'm glad that the hawks organization is giving him a chance to to get that yeah and i hope he i hope that he does because third overall picks they're they're i mean some some teams like to let them develop for a year but i think kirby doc just the way he's performing against these boys, I guess, quote unquote, he's going against right now. It looks like he can play against NHL level talent. I mean, sure, it'll take time to develop, but try to develop him early with, especially with the roster the Hawks have this year, a lot better than last year. So they could, he could play against, he could play with good linemates and go against really good competition. And then a few more notes from the prospect camp, real quick. Ian Mitchell is another name to keep an eye on. Uh, Stan Bowman was meeting with his agent or with him and his family, I should say. Um, try. I think they're going to try to get him to sign so he could play with the, with the Hawks this season or Rockford at, at least. 
So it looks like they're going to try to see if he, he'll leave college early to join Chicago. He has full intention to join the Blackhawks and not pull Kevin Hayes. So we could see that in the works. And then, and then also Adam Boquist. Uh, they did the, Stan Bowman. There was a tweet going out today by Chris Bowden saying Stan Bowman does not want him back in the OHL. They want to see him in the professional level, whether that be with the Ice Hogs or the Blackhawks this year. So we'll see. It sounds like Adam Boquist will be playing either in the NHL or NHL this upcoming season. So it basically seems like, at least for the Hawks organization, this is going to be, uh, I want to say, almost a, a showing year in the sense where prospects need to show what they have so the organization knows what it has. I, does that sound like yeah, it's pretty I, fair? Yeah, I think that's a really fair uh, a, a fair assignment to, or to say because – this is probably the biggest camp, the biggest prospect camp that we've had, just because we have so many potential prospects that could make the roster this year. With like with Nylander, Mitchell, Boquist, Kubalik's even in it, but he's a lock basically to make the roster. So I think, I think that's a fair uh, assumption. I can't speak. Jesus. All right. Well, well, we'll take a break in the podcast right now. Everybody, Mr. Kevin Musto has just joined the podcast. He was a uh, running late. I just wanted to let Kevin know that um, Montreal put in an offer sheet on him. Oh, wow. Kevin, we just got done talking about the Blackhawks. So, uh, oh, but, my timing is fantastic. No, no. You can, you can, <laughs> uh, we, 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 need your, we need your input. because uh, My input on the Red Wings? No. no. <laughs> what? Stanley no. Cup champs this year. You know. Oh, stop it. 82-0. Oh, and zero. Hot take. But uh, we were ta- I, we talked about the Nizamov trade and the prospect camp. If you want to, you know, just fire off some thoughts. Quick thoughts. I mean, yeah, quick thoughts. Uh, I'm sure you probably covered them, Nick. But just with the Nizamov trade, I mean, I think this is one of those trades that works out for both parties because Chicago sheds cap space and Ottawa sheds actual salary, so it just kind of works for both teams. They get Ottawa gets. A player who's a bit more skilled, but Chicago gets a player who's more suited for their bottom six. So I think uh, both players are going to teams that probably suit them better right now. Uh, And then as for uh, development camp, well, we haven't seen the scrimmage yet. uh, Because as recording, that hasn't happened yet. Uh, The scrimmage is on Friday. And the scrimmage is usually the fun part because you get to see these guys in actual gameplay scenario. Uh, but, uh, yeah, right now it's just been kind of drills, so, uh, not a whole lot to say there, I think. All right, well, I think that pretty much is going to cover it for the Hawks and the Wiggins news for this week. We'll talk about just a little bit of what else is going on in the league at the moment. The big moves, at least from what I can remember happening this week, uh, the first end up being that Brian Dezingle ends up signing with the Hurricanes for two years at a 3.37 million cap it so sort of like a quote-unquote prove it to me type deal and then jordan bennington ends up signing with the st louis blues for two years at 4.4 million let's go ahead and just talk about these moves really quick because i think one there's not really much to talk about but the other there's going to be quite a bit so let's go ahead and talk about the dezingle move first um david kevin or nick just initial impressions in regards to this deal um, like you said, it's a prove it deal. Like he's he's got talent. He just needs to really show it. And it's two years, so it's not like it's a one year 
like one and done deal. They want to see what he can do for two years. And I think that if he's not panning out, they could try to trade him for something at least. Yeah, uh, Dezingle's been my guy, and he's finally signed. I, I think I probably said his name the most on this podcast since we started. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean that was a big thing last week. Is where's Dezingle going? Yeah, I, it's he's a fun been my, name. It's yeah, a fun it, name. It, it is. It is a fun it name. Is. Yeah. Who knows if that D silent or if it's not? But uh, yeah, Dezingle <laughs> finally signed <laughs> in Carolina. So uh, Carolina, that he's like, there. You seen them last year? They're a young, fun team. With some veterans on, with veteran presence, and Dezingle, I think he's a great fit there. He's a great player. Uh, obviously, he it took him a while to sign just because the numbers in Ottawa, or, or Ottawa, and then transitioning to Columbus, and he had twelve points in twenty one games after the deadline, which is still not terrible. That's uh, it, it's common for players to tr- dip in their performance and when they're traded. Go ahead, Kevin. Or you- Oh, yeah. Well, I think you put it best, Nick, by saying that uh, I think uh, Carolina is a good system, a good team for Dezingle to go to. I wasn't necessarily expecting it when I was looking at uh, possible teams that he would go to. I was thinking maybe Montreal might be a destination, but I do think Carolina is definitely a good fit for him. Um, so that's that's one uh, major free agent out of the way now, and I guess Jake Gardner is the other big one that's left now. Yeah, one last thought on Dezingle. I just getting signed for what was it 3.25 right uh, 3.37 yeah 3.37 i think that i just thought that was so low for him i mean you see again kevin hayes like why is he getting paid 7.14 million and dezingle's getting paid almost 4 million less less than him he's coming off a career year so it doesn't really make sense this offseason you see guys getting overpaid and now getting underpaid but uh yeah, so Dezingle's going to be a great fit in Carolina. I think that team has a lot of promise going forward. You know, this is something that I actually really like about Carolina right now is they had the fan engagement last season with the storm search. And, I mean, I know some people liked it, some people hated it, but that sort of got fans attached to this team. And I think it's shown the ownership there that if you make the product enjoyable, people will show up. Well, yeah, I think Ryan Dezingle definitely could have gotten more money with another team. Part of me wonders if he signs with the Hurricanes for this cap hit because he, A, knows that they tend to be a cap-strap team just in terms of actual salary dollars, but he sees the culture there that they're trying to you know engage fans and have a good time with the team. And then they had some decent success last year. I mean, they weren't really bad by any means. So I'm curious if that factors into why he took a quote-unquote cheap deal. I think he took it just because he sees that there is something there with the team. And I think if he proves it and finds a place in the team and they like him, they'll sign him for a longer deal, uh, for a bigger deal. Um, But like this team shocked a lot of people by being the Caps, the defending champs, and not just beating them, but in Game 7 just whomping them like in overtime i watched that because i live in the dc area currently and i don't really like the caps but i'll follow them and like the caps just looked like they were tired and the hurricanes just were on another planet they were still hung over from uh <laughs> last year's cup win oh Vatican sure was <laughs> yeah. oh yeah i don't think he stopped drinking uh, he probably hasn't. He probably still is drinking. He probably uh, he's, <laughs> he's he's finally broke the curse of not winning a cup. Ovechkin's gonna drink till life ends. So, oh yeah. 
tucks like an IV up to his arm with alcohol <laughs> in it. Just At actually has it underneath his jersey while he plays. So every time he gets a goal, he gets rewarded. It's fueling him. Ovechkin's <laughs> basically living the college days now that he didn't get the chance to live. So good for him. All right, we'll, we'll go ahead and move on to the other big deal that I just mentioned. Uh, Jordan Bennington ends up signing with the Blues for two years at $4.4 million. I'll be honest, I don't really like this signing, and it's not because I don't like Jordan Bennington. It's the I don't like signing a goaltender who has had one good season to almost $4.5 million. I mean, yeah, it's only for two years, but I just don't like tying that much money up in a goaltender who's only really had one good season. I mean, goaltenders can be streaky, and if he regresses next season, that just becomes a terrible contract for them. Yeah. yeah. I, I, well, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat as you, Jordan. Like, I think, I mean, it's two years, so again, I don't think it's a big deal. Like, even if he were to regress, which I think he does, I mean, I, I mean, after a cup win, I think he, you can, uh, there's, there's only one direction to go in after that, and that's to kind of well i mean he's not winning another cup next year so <laughs> it, it he'll regress in a little bit i don't know how big uh of a of a regression it'll be but um yeah so again like two years it's it's not it's not a huge deal but i i agree on the actual cap hit like it's a bit high for a guy that sure he won a cup and he had an incredible run but this is a guy that wasn't even to start the season wasn't even a third string goalie like he was like down in the depth charts and uh so he's not really proven at this point it's a lot of money to give to a guy like that mm-hmm. they really that was really their only option to do is because the contract was up but yeah it's a lot of money so uh but yeah the only way the blues can the only direction the blues can go from last season is down which i hope it's way down it's way down first to worst but uh but they, they, it's a deal they had to do but yeah big cap hit on jordan yeah i mean as you said like it definitely was a deal they had to do i mean you can't really let bennington go because what other option do you have you know on top of that the goalie free agency market wasn't really that stacked this season so it wasn't like they had a lot to choose from i mean Ravrosky got taken so and a, big a, a huge cap hit too. Like I don't think St. Louis could really afford Bobrovsky. So I mean, I get it. Their kind or their choices were kind of limited, but I don't know. Four point four seems a little bit excessive for me. I think they could have probably gotten away with three point five, and I'd have been a little bit more happy with it. Yeah, I don't think it was great negotiation on their part. Um, other than that, I can't think of any major signings that happened uh, during the last week. I mean, a lot of the major signings happened on the first in that first week. Kevin mentioned his name earlier. Well, should, we do, should we do the uh, guess where Jake Gardner's going game now? <laughs> Montreal. <laughs> I, I, that's, what, that's exactly what I was going to say. Montreal cleared cap for something. So. I know. They have a lot of cap space. Like, unless another offer sheet's coming, which we all hope so, uh, like they've got <laughs> to do something with that cap space, and Jake Gardner's on the market. So He's, It seems like a fit, too. They don't really have, I mean, besides Shea Weber, they need another big D-man, so Jake Gardner seems just like the perfect a match made in heaven for Montreal. Yeah, I could definitely see them picking up Gardner for sure. Like you just mentioned, Shea Weber is really the only big name they have there on defense. Forget he's always there. <laughs> I don't know but, if that, like, I'm not trying to be, I'm not sure whether that's good or bad, though, I mean... You know, I mean, you have a guy like him, him and P.K. Subban got one for one traded. Some people thought, you know, man, Nashville got fleeced, but I but mean, Nashville just traded him to the Devils. Yeah. So, I mean, 
I don't know, looking back on that trade, I mean, I'm not really sure Montreal's really done anything of note since they made that trade. So, I mean, I think they kind of, at this point, need to do something to bolster that roster. I mean, they haven't made playoffs, if I remember correctly. So, Canada hasn't won the Cup, and I can't even remember how long. I'm curious if maybe Montreal just wants to be the team who can look at the other teams in Canada and say, ha-ha, we won it first. <laughs> Yeah, but, they I mean, they gotta do something. The only moves they've been making lately, it seems like, is to become a rebuilder because they traded Pacioretty last year, and uh, then Galchenyuk for Max Domi, who's he? Who obviously Domi is a pretty good forward, but it, it's all it, they're trading their veteran names to retool and rebuild the roster. So signing Jake Garner would be like a sign of promise for Montreal Canadian fans. Yeah, and I think he'd make for a good pairing with Weber. I think that would make for a good top pairing. I could see that. So are we all in a consensus with Montreal, basically just because they're really the only teams with that much cap space left? So yeah, it makes... sure. And, and I, I think it even makes sense for Gardner. I mean, being in Toronto, it's not too much further from there if he goes to Montreal. Mm-hmm. So all the, all the pieces align for Montreal, in my opinion. Cap space works, location works position in the lineup works where if he wants top minutes he can get top minutes i mean i just i think all the pieces fit for montreal perfectly like all jokes aside i think we're all in agreement on montreal yeah yes yes unless they uh, get kevin first <laughs> sorry right. kevin i don't have another bottle of whiskey and packs of raisins oh man I, i'll share I'm, i'll share i'm currently share the raisins <laughs> share the load share the load <laughs> Uh, well, Seattle made a signing. Yeah, yeah Seattle. Yeah, they, they had big signing. First Seattle signing. Speaking of Carolina Hurricanes, former yeah. Hurricanes yeah. GM. Yeah. Ron Francis. Yeah, so, and I think, uh, I mean, you know, he didn't, uh, he had a tough time in Carolina just because at that point mm-hmm. they still had the old management and they weren't uh, willing to spend as much money. So I think he was kind of handcuffed a bit. Um, I don't know a whole lot about uh, Ron Francis because. Obviously, I don't really follow Carolina, but I think he might have a, a bit more of a leash, uh, longer leash to kind of uh, do what he wants to do in Seattle. Mm-hmm. If there's he'll, one thing, go ahead, George. Sorry, I had to interrupt. Oh, I, I was just gonna say, I, I think he'll definitely have a longer leash in Seattle. I mean, Seattle, none of their teams, or at least professional sport teams, from what I know are budget teams by any means so almost all the owners there have money and they spend money so i think he's definitely going to have free reigns to make big signings which he didn't have with the hurricanes that's a that's a big point too yeah seattle obviously is a pretty wealthy city just but yeah the seahawks in the nfl and the mariners and the mlb they spend money like it's nothing so i think he'll have a lot more uh funds to his sources so he could make some big signings but there is one thing to note on ron france he he sure knows how to uh, spy defensive talent because over his years in Carolina as a, as Carolina's GM he's developed Josiah Slavin Hayden Flurry, Noah Hannafin obviously not on Carolina anymore so he, he's, he, he's a defensive focused general manager it seems just building through the draft and with obviously Seattle needing an expansion draft I think you could see Seattle end up getting like these stud young D-men going forward Aside from that, um, does anybody have any other moves throughout the league that they think are worth talking about? I mean, I brought up one earlier. Ryan Reeves got approval for a brewery in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Reeves, send us your alcohol. 
I'm interested in that because he can sponsor the show. Yeah. <laughs> Brought to you by Reeves IPA. But if nobody else has anything to talk about, we'll go ahead and uh, move on. Um, usually, or sometimes at the end of the episodes, we'll have like a question. Um, this week, since Ron Francis got announced as the Seattle GM, I actually wanted to talk about the expansion draft a little bit from the Hawks and the Wings perspective. Um, mm. I want to ask two questions, and then we'll each answer them. Who do you want Seattle to take from the roster? And then realistically, oh, who do you think that they will take? I'll go ahead and uh, I'll let you start, David. Who do you think Seattle will take, but who do you want them to take? See, I got to look this up. Um, I'd love for them. To, I'd love for us to re-sign Jonathan Erickson and trick them into taking him. <laughs> um, why don't you go first with who you think they're going to take so I can kind of think about that. But I hope they take Erickson after we re-sign him. Okay. So I think if Seattle is building immediately, I would probably think that as long as, or if he's not protected, I think they would probably take Tyler Bertuzzi. I'm right. pretty sure Detroit's going to uh, protect him if they can, but if I remember right, they're going to have to protect Larkin, Mantha. Well, I'm assuming they're going to protect Larkin, Mantha. You'll protect Athanasiu. Um, Hironic and Shalosky will probably get protected. Uh, Zadina will be ineligible. And I can't see them taking anybody like Abdelkader. And, I mean, our defense core will all be gone, so I'm not sure they're going to want to try to quote-unquote poach anybody from the defensive group that we just signed i think if they're in a win now mode they're going to try to take whatever best forwards available which i think if bertuzzi's not traded by that time and if detroit doesn't have slots left to protect him i think they're going to take bertuzzi see that's why i i don't know i think bertuzzi is a core piece of our team and i think we would protect him over somebody like mantha and i don't know like i think mantha can be he doesn't give an A effort all the time for us. And I think Bertuzzi is the complete opposite where Bertuzzi like is always going. Like I, I went to see him play in Minnesota where he scored that hat trick. Like he's always just going, going, going and gritty and shooting and everything. But Manta, there's games where I just don't even notice him. And I could see them taking Manta over him in my opinion, at least. We, we both would agree. We'd, we'd ideally like the Red Wings <laughs> to trick them into taking Jonathan Erickson. Or, or even Darren Helm. Like, just send them a video of him against the Chicago Blackhawks in the 2009, yeah, 2009 playoffs where he killed that penalty by himself and just say, look as, how good he is. Yeah, just, on, just, show him, that up now. just show him the awesome penalty kill video just like on loop for five hours. Like, look at what you're about to take. Just take this. See that? He ducked under the Blackhawks player. He's so fast. Kevin or Nick, if you guys haven't seen that video, like do yourselves a favor, like just just go watch it. Like as much as like you will hate what happens afterwards, like it is it is a thing of beauty. Like no, all jokes aside, it's actually a great video. Um, but Kevin or Nick, let's go ahead and move on to you guys. Who do you think that Seattle will take, and then who would you like them to take? I mean, it's it's hard to predict right now because we just don't know what the Blackhawks roster is going to look like by the time of the expansion draft. I think the good thing for Chicago is a lot of their younger players, like especially the defensemen guys like, uh, you know, Bokvist, Bodang, Mitchell, these are guys that are not going to be eligible for the expansion draft because they'll still be on their entry-level deals. So I think Chicago will be in a decent position in the sense that 
uh, a lot of their really promising players, um, they don't have to actually protect because they'll be ineligible. But in terms of protection, the big issue is on defense because you can only protect, I think it's three defensemen, right? And uh, yeah, I want to say it's either three or four, but I'm pretty sure it's three. I think it's seven forwards and three defensemen. Right. And so Brent Seabrook and, and Duncan Keith have no movement clauses. So by default, they have to be protected. We'll say it's three defensemen. I'll have to look it up again. Yeah, it's seven, three, and uh, a goalie. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or, or you go seven, and I think you could also go, I think it's seven, four, eight, and three if you don't protect a goalie. Not too sure. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, so Seabrook and Keith have to be uh, protected by default because they have a no movement clause. So basically, that leaves one defense spot open um, for for protecting. So I think what happens is Seattle ends up taking one of our defensemen that doesn't get protected. I don't think they'll take from our forward group because I think Chicago, it's seven forwards you can protect. I think Chicago will be end up protecting all the good pieces that they have. They'll be able to. But with defensemen, with that third, there's only a third player that they can protect. Um, I don't know who that's going to be because it's just kind of hard to predict at this point. But they could end up losing one of uh, Murphy, Mata, or DeHaan. Yeah, I'm on the same boat as Kevin. I I don't see them really taken from our forward group unless it's unless it's Brandon Saad, I guess, and he'll be a UFA then, so... Yeah, he him. won't even be on the books unless he's re-signed. Yeah, so unless it's Brandon Saad and they try to sign him as a UFA. But other than that, I, I would, so I'm, I'm I'm the same way. I think I would want them to take Connor Murphy, and I think that's who they will take just because he's still young. In two years, he'll still be 28, 29. So he'll be a young vet and uh, just a nice defensive piece to have to an uh, up-and-coming team. I uh, want to jump in real quick. I'm reading an article from December um, just about the Red Wings and the upcoming expansion draft, and we do not have to protect Philip Zadina because he played nine games for the Red Wings, so he will be exempt. Yeah, his entry-level deal, uh, it was a slide this year, so it didn't burn a year on the deal. So, And from the list of the forwards for the Red Wings, I could see them taking Franz Nielsen too. Can Nielsen think- be exposed? I thought he had to be protected. Nope. Okay. From from what this list is, they put a hashtag next to people they think would be protected. Nielsen would be not protected, according to this person's predictions. Advocator would not be protected. Glendinning and Helms contracts expire in 2021 as UFAs, so they would not need to be required to be protected either. Nielsen has a modified no-trade clause. Okay, so maybe that's why I thought he had to be protected then. I don't think the, the no trade clause covers the expansion nope. draft. It does not. Yeah. Okay. All right. I could see. I think. I think Nielsen. Um, I think he could be taken because he's a good veteran presence. He's good on faceoffs. I think he would be a good leader for their team too. The only thing though is at that point, like he'll be pretty old. How old is that guy? From he's he's thirty five right now. He's thirty five. Ooh, uh, yeah, yeah, true. Backtrack. So <laughs> by the time he's in a Seattle uniform, he might be retired or have a cane. Unless he's Yammer Yager, like three point five. So I mean, Yammer Yager just goes around banging eighteen-year-olds. I think he's good. Yeah. He, he <laughs> might, we might see him on Seattle in a couple of years. Oh my god! Please <laughs> add another jersey to the collection. <laughs> I think that's just what he's doing now. He's like, who do I not have a jersey oh. from? 
(laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, if that's going to wrap up the, uh, the conversation on this topic, we'll go ahead and wrap the episode for tonight. Um, as always, we thank you guys for tuning in to listen to the episode. Um, we, we do this for fun and we hope you guys enjoy it. Um, with that being said, I mean, if you want to ask a question or have an idea for like a topic for us to talk about, like honestly, send us an email or like tweet at us. Like I would love to get fan interaction going with this show, please. Um, we're begging at this point. Come on. Yeah, we're, give us we're begging. Like, come, like even I'll if it's like raisins. a joke question. <laughs> Or if you want to just, if you want to fry us, do that. I mean, do anything. Just come on, interact with us. Yeah, go well. for it. Just, just tell me you love me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but seriously, if, if you guys want to get in contact with us, you can tweet us. You can find us on Twitter at StickBladePod. Or you can send us an email. And that email will be stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you want to find the actual podcast and previous episodes, you can find us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash the stickblade podcast. We're going to be looking at possibly getting the podcast on iTunes soon. So if you prefer your podcasts that way, we're going to be trying to figure out how to get that up and running. Um, and with that being said, we'll go ahead and wrap this edition of the stickblade podcast. Everyone have a good evening for your host, Jordan Linscott, and my co-host, David Barnhouse, Kevin Musto, and Nicola Page. Have a good evening. Love you guys. Peace.